0: Well, just before I retired, I got a letter from HM Revenue and Customs to say I'd paid £78.40 too much tax. They were going to give me a rebate. Yay! Yay, so hands up anyone who loves getting tax rebates. One or two there. Okay, now keep your hands up. Oh, you've already put them down. Hands up anyone who likes getting tax rebates. Now keep them up if you really, really enjoy paying taxes. They went down pretty swiftly. No one likes them, and yet we don't get to choose. For most of us, income tax is taken at source before we even get to see our money. There's no choice about taxes. We have to pay, often begrudgingly and resentfully. With like a tight fist, the tax has to be prized away from us. A tight fist rather than an open hand. Well, this talk isn't about taxes. It's about what we do with the rest of our money. What do we do with the money the tax man leaves us for ourselves? What characterises our attitude? Is it similar to taxes where we've got a tight fist? rather than an open hand. When I got my first job in 1973, I took home the massive sum of £85 a month. At the time, £85 did seem an enormous amount to me, because before then, I was used to having about 4 or £5 pounds a month. And to suddenly have 85 pounds, well, that was a huge problem. I was weighed down with the responsibility of it. What do I do with it all? How do I decide what to do with this huge sum? Do I spend it on me? Or Sue? Do I start saving? Do I give it away to help others? Will I be tight fisted or open handed? The thing is, whether we have a lot or a little, what we do with our money speaks volumes about us, as Jesus observes in Luke twenty one. Now hey, I did get the right one. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So the widow had two coins. And two coins gave her three options on what to do. She had option one, which was to keep both the coins for herself. After all, she was poor. And they were all she had to live on. A widow's lot was not a lot. God would understand. Perhaps option two. Put one in the offering and keep one for herself. Half of what she had to live on. That would indeed have been very generous of her to do that. But she chose option three which was to give both coins away. She put everything, all she had to live on, into one of the temple funds. So what do you think characterised her approach to giving? Was she tight fisted? Or open handed? William Barclay in his commentary on Luke tells us this. In the court of the women in the temple, there were 13 collecting boxes known as the trumpets. They were shaped like trumpets with the narrow part at the top and the wider part at the foot. Each of the 13 was assigned to offerings for a different purpose. For instance, for the wood that was used to burn the sacrifice, for the incense that was burned on the altar, for the upkeep of the golden vessels and so on. And it must have been near those trumpets that Jesus was sitting. We don't know what she gave the money to, but we do know that she gave all of it. Jesus looks at the widow and points out that the most important aspect about giving is not how much we give, but the spirit in which we give it. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in one of his letters to the church at Corinth, God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, so here's an an opportunity to gauge your attitude towards giving. Let's see if this comes up. No, it's not popped up. Never mind. There should be a slide there that says 10%. In the Hebrew Scriptures, that is part of the Bible we call the Old Testament, we find laws about tithing. That is the practice of giving 10% of what they had to God's work. And for devout Jews then, at the time of Jesus, this is something they felt obliged to do. Of everything. And that was before they'd paid taxes to the Romans so, sense your reaction now when I say that in reality the purpose of the talk this morning is actually to try and persuade you that tithing is something that you ought to do as a Christian. Huh. You see, some people say that this rule about tithing still applies to Christians today. You should give away a whopping 10% Of your gross income to church or other mission organisations? What's your immediate response? How does it make you feel? Do you sense a sort of a tightening of the fist or an opening of the hand? Well, just to be absolutely clear, this talk is not about persuading us to start tithing. Sorry, Phil, (laughs) he's the treasurer. We won't be getting any emails from church suite asking what our gross income is and then with a demand for 10% for the church funds. The problem is that having a law about giving does not help us to give like Jesus. You see, a law might be able to tell us what to give but it can't tell me in what spirit how to give it. Yes, I might hand over my money, but do it unhappily, unhappily, begrudgingly, resentfully. A lot like paying tax. Sticking to a law about giving does not make me a better person. God loves a cheerful giver. So if you haven't guessed already, the talk is not about what we give, but how we give. In other words, how to become open handed rather than tight fisted. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. Is it going to change? No. There should be one in between here. And ah, any there? Huh? Ah. Ah, there it is. See, I <laughs> got there. One of my favourite apps on my phone is the Highway Code app. Oh, yes. Not only can you read parts of the Highway Code whenever you have a spare moment, but you can also do quizzes based on the Highway Code. Now, for some strange reason, I've offered Sue that I would also download the app onto her phone. (laughs) But anyway, did you know there are some road signs that tell you what you can't do? A white circle with a red border is telling you something that you mustn't do. So in this case, this one means no overtaking. There are other signs which tell you what you must do. A blue circle like this tells you what you must do. Turn left, ahead. Okay, some say what you mustn't do, some say what you must do. Okay, perhaps a quiz on Old Testament law is in order. Are we ready for this? It's a white circle with a red border, which means do not... Do not, do not line on it. Do not murder, I'm afraid. I'll see you afterwards. (laughs) Do not murder, okay? Are we getting the idea of this? Do not steal, do not steal. Okay, now one that is something that you must do. Oh no, we've got this 10% again back to that. I said these signs were based on the Old Testament and it would be helpful to explain how relevant they are today. Are we still meant to obey them? Well, as you now no doubt know, the whole Bible is made up of two main parts. There's the Old Testament, which tells the story of God's people up until the time of Jesus. And the Old, Testament, the Old Testament, which contains many promises about God's coming kingdom. And then we've got the New Testament, which tells us about the life of Jesus and how he has established God's promised kingdom. So Old Testament contains promises, and the New Testament is the fulfilment of those promises. In this sense, it's helpful us, for us to view the Old Testament laws as a series of signposts you see a signpost is very useful to show us the way to go But it's not needed once you get to your destination so we can have signposts that point to St Margaret's but once we're in St Margaret's we don't need a signpost to tell us how to get here again so the Old Testament law is a bit like that. It shows the way to God's kingdom. But it's not the reality. Jesus and his kingdom are the reality. And the Old Testament laws point us in that direction. No surprise then that the Old Testament law about tithing, giving away 10% of what we produce, is a signpost. It's a signpost to the reality of life in God's kingdom and the generosity that the Holy Spirit can produce in us. So the Old Testament signpost is talking about tithing. In the New Testament, we hear about generosity. That's the reality. And the New Testament is about giving like Jesus. God loves a cheerful giver and the Holy Spirit loves to help us to become cheerful givers. God does not want our money given begrudgingly, but what he does want is for us to have generous hearts. God delights delights to release us from whatever makes us tight-fisted and free free us to be open-handed. So this mini series It's about giving like Jesus. And it's set in the middle of a bigger series called Living Like Jesus. Giving like Jesus and living like Jesus. And we can't do that unless we have the same spirit in us. That Jesus had in him. The Holy Spirit. We don't give like Jesus or indeed live like Jesus by trying to learn and follow a set of rules. We give like Jesus and we live like Jesus by receiving and responding to God's Holy Spirit. By letting the Holy Spirit flood our lives. Because the Holy Spirit wants to take hold of our tight fists and open them up, gradually free us from being tight-fisted. We're often not conscious of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We only detect that the Holy Spirit has been at work as we observe the changes that have taken place. We are more at peace. We're more gentle. We have more self-control and linked to the talk today, we are becoming cheerful givers. We can, though, also have a a conscious encounter with the Holy Spirit, a profound connection that radically affects our lives, an encounter with the Holy Spirit that leaves us more sensitive to letting the Holy Spirit guide and direct us. At a stretch, a bit like downloading the Holy Spirit app into our lives. Except it's not a lot of rules, it's, it's actually just guidance and, and relationship. So it might be the first time we encounter the Holy Spirit like that, or a fresh encounter of being consciously aware of the Holy Spirit that I'm hoping we can touch on this morning. Consciously responding and surrendering to the Holy Spirit means that the Holy Spirit can mold us. Consciously responding and surrendering to the Holy Spirit, well, I can describe it like a sponge. We're a sponge and instead of having a dry life, the Holy Spirit floods our being. When we're soaked in the Holy Spirit, Splashes of the Spirit spray onto those we love and meet. So I'm hoping that now this morning may be a little time for us to engage with the Holy Spirit more consciously. To receive and to respond. To use the next few minutes here before God as an opportunity to surrender ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit amongst us. Not just to release us from the grip of a tight fist on our money. But also from the grip of a tight fist. On our heart and lives. To break down whatever walls we might have in our lives. To melt away the resistance we might have of letting go. To enable us to live like Jesus. And to give like Jesus. For God loves A cheerful giver. John, do you want to join me up here? I'm just going to pray and as I'm praying, John's going to begin the songs that we're going to be worshipping God with and opening ourselves up to God's Holy Spirit. A moment now where we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, to flood our being. A moment now where we say, yes, Lord, I want to receive of your Holy Spirit. I want to respond to your Holy Spirit. I want to know consciously, you Holy Spirit working in my life, enabling me to live like Jesus, enabling me to give like Jesus.